0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons if you'd like to support the podcast please visit sqpn.com/give You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the final episode of Star Trek Picard, The Last Generation. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Cory Stika. Hey, Father Cory. How's it going? Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn in your favorite podcast apps or on YouTube where you can watch the show and also you should hit the bell to get notifications. Be sure to check out another show on the StarQuest Network that I'm sure you're going to enjoy called PlayStation Portable. That's at HSQPN.com slash PSP. I messed up my whole pattern or wherever fine podcasts are found. SQPN.com slash PSP. Thank you for clarifying. I will uh, endeavor to do better on that. (laughs) I'm so excited. I just want to get to the talking about the show. But uh, before we do, uh, I want to remind you that we do have some uh, excellent listener feedback at the end of this episode. So stick around for that. And before we talk about Last Generation, we should talk about the news, which is that there was an announcement that the long-awaited Michelle Yeoh-helmed Section 31 series is instead going to be a Paramount Plus movie, so a sort of streaming movie mm-hmm. uh, that came out recently. And uh, so what do y'all think of that news? Good news? I, I think it was <laughs> inevitable. I think it was,
1: you know, when when her, as we talked about last time, we talked about the Section 31 uh her her star had already risen quite high to the point where she's winning awards major awards yeah uh so, oscars yes yeah exactly yeah. and so to get her for a series probably wasn't going to happen and it, it's possible too that they could use this as a spin-off to then explore other parts of section 31 just without her yeah i i just don't see her coming on for a series
2: yeah i i agree and having a tv movie with her is better than nothing but part of me would rather if would because there's a risk if they do the movie, I what I would really like to see is a Section 31 series. Mm-hmm. And it is not essential to me that Michelle Yeoh be involved in it. I like Michelle Yeoh, but it is not she's not essential to Section 31. I would be fascinated by a Section 31 series that, for example, might have Alexander Siddig. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, that that would be of interest to me. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm not opposed to this movie, but what I really would like to see is a series.
0: Some people have speculated that it's a cost cutting measure because series are more expensive. Mm -hmm. They're ongoing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I saw an interview with Alex Kurtzman where he said they saw, he said when he saw everything everywhere all at once last year, he knew that Michelle Yeoh's star was going to rise. She'd probably win an award for it, an Oscar maybe. And so they started looking at turning the series into a movie I don't know how true that is. That sounds like Hollywood speak to me. But hmm. in in any case, um, the, he he, I I think it might be a backdoor pilot in a sense. Like, see how hmm. it does. Um, they d- he also said they're looking at doing more, uh, movies as hmm. well as the the series that they have going, and potentially as a cost cutting measure. It's. Like I mm-hmm. said, che- cheaper to do a, a movie than a whole series. Well, so, and,
1: and of course, if you believe the rumors, his his head is kind of on the chopping block, too. So,
0: yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't know how much uh, stock I put in those, but uh, certainly Terra Metallica's star has risen as well. Speaking of rising yeah. stars. Yeah. yeah.
2: Although there have been, as you allude, Father Corey, there have been loads of reports of unpopular show runners who have... His head,
1: her head is on the chopping yeah. block. And yet <laughs>
2: Kathleen Kennedy is still there all
0: these years. Oh, well, yeah. well, uh,
1: I mean, Kirsten's been fired about a thousand times so far, according to some <laughs> commentators.
0: So, yeah. yeah. So, a uh, great assault on that. But uh, I, I think more Star Trek is always welcome. So, I'm um, um, uh, well, generally <laughs> more good Star Trek. More, more. good. So we got to be a little more particular. <laughs> I should be more discerning. Yes. Uh, the, the, yes. Uh, some Some new Star Trek is welcome. That's for sure uh all right a couple of notes we wanted to talk about before we get into it again um really what yes. are these
2: notes i don't remember approving them at the last meeting
0: uh, sorry you were you were absent for our re- recent new, staff new, meetings okay <laughs> new
1: business before the old business yeah.
0: father cora <laughs> you had said last time that you were going to watch the finale of picard uh from the special imax theater but mm. unfortunately
1: that didn't happen, you know, pride goeth before the fall, or <laughs> should I say COVID goeth before the oh, fall? Um, COVID yeah, was something else. <laughs> when, you were, when you listened to last week, it's clear that I was suffering from what I thought was just a nasty cold. Oh, no, that nasty cold ended up being a mild case of COVID. And so instead of going on my vacation, I planned, I spent the week here in lovely Montana in the snow, fortunately in my house, in my warm house, but in the snow, uh, and had to watch the trailer or watch the the finale on my TV, which was still great and mm-hmm. we'll still enjoyed it, but it wasn't as cool as I wanted. So no. I, unfortunately I have nothing to report. I'm sure the event was amazing and you know, people who were there had an amazing time.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, the other thing I wanted but to I'm mention. am feeling better. Good, yes, <laughs> Good. yes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that we have an upcoming episode, in a couple episodes, we'll be talking about Star Trek: First Contact. That was recorded before the, the we saw the finale, so our commentary on that won't take into account uh, what happens here. But uh, maybe if we get a chance, we'll have an addendum at some point where we can uh, talk about them together. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens there. All right. So, Last Generation. Uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap? Oh, boy. Okay, this is a big (laughs) one.
2: (laughs) This week, Star Trek has a Battlestar Galactica moment when it realizes you don't interconnect your ships too tightly or the Cylons will use it to destroy your civilization. The newly assimilated youngsters, the Borg, the next generation, are using the fleet formation system to attack Earth, the linchpin of the Federation, and only the space dock is defending it. Starfleet President Anton Chekhov makes an emergency broadcast that is interrupted. On board the Titan, Seven of Nine retakes the bridge by using transporter guns to beam the Borg youngsters into a locked transporter room. She then uses the ship and its cloaking device to do drive-by shootings on the Borg fleet formation, but the fleet destroys the space dock, and with Earth's, Earth's defense shields down, the Borg target every major population center on Earth for destruction. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise D, Picard and the gang discover a severely crippled Borg cube hidden in the Great Red Spot of Jupiter. Though uh, through Jack, it's broadcasting the commands to all the junior Borg in the fleet. Picard, Riker, and Worf beam into it to find Jack and figure out where the beacon is broadcasting the signal from. Riker and Worf go to locate the beacon, while Picard goes to get Jack, who is with a severely disfigured Borg queen. If Picard disconnects Jack from the Collective, the shock will kill him, so Jack must voluntarily disconnect to survive. Picard plugs himself into the Collective and tries to talk Jack down off his Borg high. He ultimately hugs him, Father Love saves the day, and Jack unplugs himself from the Collective voluntarily. Meanwhile, Riker and Worf have located the Borg beacon in the center of the ship. Star Trek now has a Star Wars Return of the Jedi moment as Data flies the Enterprise into the center of the cube to blow up the beacon, causing a chain reaction that will destroy the cube and everyone on it. Riker despairs of ever seeing Deanna again, and she uses this telepathic connection to sense where Riker, Wharf, Picard, and Jack are. On their way out of the cube, the Enterprise flies over them and beams them up. The ship then escapes the cube, and the Borg, including the Queen, all die the youngsters in the fleet then de and return to their human selves, so the day is saved. Star Trek then has a Lord of the Rings Return of the King moment and we get more than 10 (laughs) epilogues spanning 30 minutes of runtime. Starfleet develops a transporter solution to remove the Borg elements from the young people and also catch changelings. Beverly becomes the head of Starfleet Medical again since that's what she was during season two of Next Gen. The real Tuvok promotes Seven of Nine to Captain based on Captain Shaw's recommendation. Rafi is now a hero to her family based on good information about her that Worf leaked, and Data is getting regular counseling from Deanna to deal with his new pseudo-toaster humanity. Then, Star Trek has another Battlestar Galactica moment as we flash forward one year in the timeline. They shut down the Enterprise D in the Fleet Museum. The Titan is renamed the Enterprise G in honor of what the earlier Enterprise did in this episode. Seven is the new captain of the Enterprise G. Rafi is her first officer, and Jack is now an ensign in Starfleet who becomes special counselor to the captain. The rest of the gang meets in the 10 Forward Bar in Los Angeles, where it's revealed that Riker and Deanna are planning a vacation. And finally, Star Trek has a Star Trek moment as the gang sits down to play poker. Except in a mid-closing credit sequence Q appears to Jack aboard the Enterprise G and tells him that his future is only just beginning and he
0: has a lot ahead of him. The end. Very good. So, uh first and last impressions, shall we say, of this episode and the Picard series as a whole. Uh, we, I mean, we could get into the depth of that at the end, but just uh, Father Corey. Wow, um, <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> as Jimmy hinted, it, it not even hinted. He made it clear. There's a lot going on in this episode, and it was, and it. it you know, I, I'd seen people saying, "Oh yeah, it stuck the landing." It stuck the landing. I mean, it. The the. They didn't try to do the Enterprise D rushes in to save the day by, you know, disabling the entire fleet or something like that. No, they they, they kind of went back to tried and true. And uh I think it was a great end to a, an amazing season of, you know, for Star Trek. I think it was they did it. They did it right. And yeah, there's there are there some very much eye candy scenes like the Enterprise D flying over the Borg Queen's hive. Mm-hmm. But. It was I. I, re, I mean, this was just again, wow. <laughs> Jimmy, um, I I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as
2: much as Father Corey did, but I did enjoy it. Um, I, I I tend to think a lot like a writer, and a lot of this is a little paint by numbers. But it's you know, it's satisfying. It's reasonable. There were moments I really enjoyed a lot, like that opening broadcast from. Anton, President Anton Chekhov. So, this is Pavel Chekhov's son. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's voiced by Walter Koenig. And the voice is immediately recognizable. Yes. Um, He's not using the phony Russian accent for most of it. So, but I'm already familiar with his voice as Alfred Bester on Babylon 5 using his native accent. Um, At first, I thought. Chekhov, you know, thinking it's Pavel, but no, it's his son. But it's really dramatic. And you can at the end, he's telling he's warning the the people of the Federation what's happening on Earth with the Borg. And at the end of his speech, which is very brief, you hear a woman say, Mr. President, we have to get you to to an escape pod and then "Eh," signal interrupted. Yeah. So, wow, that was dramatic. Who knows what happened there? Um. I but overall I enjoyed it. There was a lot of good stuff in it. Some of it felt a little cliche to me, like the oh, father love saves the day this time instead of mother love saves the day, like in Harry Potter. Um, but you know, it was it was okay. It was well done. Um, and as we're gonna hear in some of the feedback, it was earned. You know, Mm -hmm. this was uh, one of the things I saw in an interview with Terry Metalis. He said, you know, Patrick was very resistant to going to the Borg again, you know, um, because the Borg have been in all three episodes in all three seasons. Of this, right. they were they. We had the disabled cube in season one. We had the Borg Queen, the alternative Borg Queen in season two, and then now the Borg are the big bads in season three. And Patrick was uh, Stuart was reluctant to go to that well again, but Terry Metalis said to him, "Look, what's the worst thing? I mean, we want to end big. So, what's the worst thing that could happen to Picard?" he voluntarily rejoins the collective. Mm. And it's like, okay, yeah, for this character, I mean, that was the defining, him being forcibly abducted into the collective was the defining moment of his character arc up to now. In fact, what's the most single most powerful moment in his life? It was when he was assimilated. And there's nothing that competes with that. And so having him be forced to voluntarily rejoin the collective yeah, that's the worst thing that could happen to this character. So it makes sense to go there. It was earned.
0: So for my part, I loved it. Um, I had you know they are quibbles, but uh, in general, I loved it. I think it was a great ending to a great season, and um, it really turned this series around from being, eh, uh, to wow, that was really good. And uh, mm-hmm. it makes me think of what could have been. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sharing mm-hmm. the whole time, but uh, I, I really. I, I really enjoyed this episode, and there were some really great moments that we'll get into um, in general, Um few quibbles, but in general, great. Yeah. So let's start with the quibble. What's the title mean? The
2: Last Generation? Have you just thrown in the word last because it's the last episode of the last season?
0: Well, the first, well, it means the Borg. Cause the Borg are, are gone now because at one point the no. queen says that she's the last, like all the, you had all the dead Borg and her attempt to take over Starfleet's young people was yeah. to create new, a new Borg of the mm-hmm. future. And so she's the last generation of the Borg.
2: Well, yeah, I, 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 I retconned my reasoning to get to that point and say, I think they're talking about the Borg is the last generation, but, it they could have made it more obvious. It is not obvious, given that we've just established the whole next generation crew is back. And you know, we even have the Enterprise D and it 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 suddenly the well, series is feeling very next generation y. It's not feeling last generation y. I think they could have made it more obvious what the title means.
0: I think it was also a bit of a wordplay on the first mm-hmm. episode was next generation yeah. of the season. But also it's the last of the next generation we're going to see. Like these characters are done, right? Uh, I got, I got
2: that too. But yeah, it's again,
0: yeah.
1: it's it's just not clear.
0: See, I, I saw. I guess I
1: kind of saw last as in previous, not final. Oh, so this is like because one, one thing we're going to talk about is it's very clear the end of this was meant to be a pilot for an ongoing series. Yeah, you know, legacy is the title, Star Trek Legacy, and it's like. This is the previous generation handing on to the next, next
0: generation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The last generation to the next generation. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, and again, you're right. It also was wordplay from next generation to Mm -hmm. last generation. But I I saw it again as kind of that, that handoff that the the previous generation is the one that saved the day. So now the new generation can go forward (laughs) and do all the Star Trek stuff.
0: Yeah. So I one of the first things that I noticed uh, when, when this started is the, one of the things they do on Paramount Plus is they show this stinger like this Star oh, Trek I stinger. Oh, hate it! Take it away! <laughs> it's just wasting time.
2: It does yeah. not add to enjoyment to see this stinger every single episode. That is yeah. nothing but an Enterprise flyby with a Star Trek logo.
0: Well, it's actually different for every series, so yeah, they change the ship. But,
2: but who cares? Yeah, it this wastes one. Time. Well
0: i, I like X. do yeah well, <laughs> i thought it was clever the way that they changed it for this one episode to have the d enterprise d the borg cube ominous music yep. and then the assimilation effect at the end i i, I like that as a just a little bit of a uh cgi you know, mm. thing to for the I mean, fans it's,
1: it's all, all these all these uh different franchises are doing their little advertisement stinger and it's just that's what it
0: is it's it's and it's
2: just as annoying as all those (laughs) vanity things that you have to watch at the beginning of a dvd before you get to the movie that you paid for yeah that's
0: true that's true so you mentioned uh the president chekhov um president anton chekhov i have to think that the anton part of that is a Mm -hmm. tribute to anton yelchin who played chekhov in the uh, new movies it yeah. is. There's also it's also a
2: tribute to a historical author who was also named yeah. Anton Chekhov. Yes,
0: that's right. The the famous when, when we refer, gun, yeah, yeah, Chekhov's
1: gun or Chekhov's whatever. Yeah, well, that's who. Yeah. created that idea.
0: So, uh, yeah, and then we we see the Borg hiding inside Great uh, Jupiter's Great Red Spot, which isn't that disappearing, Jimmy? The Great Red Spot on Jupiter.
2: Um, well, it it certainly has changed over time. We know it goes back at least 400 years and presumably quite a bit longer than that. The Great Red Spot may be shrinking now, I don't recall, but it's
1: certainly expected to be around for hundreds of years longer. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought I'd heard something about that, too, where there's, you know, it's possible too that. It goes through cycles. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it could be shrinking it, now, but by by the tw- you know twenty fourth century, it's back to where it was before. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, uh, you know, people should
2: be aware it's not Jupiter does not have a solid surface. Uh, that's not what we're seeing. I mean, maybe there's mm-hmm. a solid surface down deep in the planet, but this is a this is a feature of Jupiter's atmosphere. So it's not guaranteed to be permanent. It's basically yeah. a big hurricane that has been going yeah. for centuries.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things I thought about was I was watching the opening and the fleet is attacking the the you know space dock and all this sort of thing. It's almost an we're the opposite of Wolf Three Five Nine, where everyone is Locutus now in the sense mm-hmm. like all these assimilated mm-hmm. officers and all the ships are under the control of the Borg now attacking, and so it's kind of a, an interesting flip, you know, polarity shift. So shall we say of the Wolf Three Five Nine, given how mu- often well, that got brought up so prominently by Shaw in this episode and how prominent of a feature it is. So I think it's interesting and it will play, I think it plays a part in any future Star Trek, how all of Starfleet essentially under the age of Mm -hmm. 25 has gone through this common trauma of becoming Borg. Yes. That that Picard went through. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of, it it will have to feature in the future. Yeah, they're
2: all going to have to go back to France and wrestle in the mud with their families.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and no father. I always like that line. Um so, yeah, we we have uh the the portable beam-me-up uh, phaser, which is fun. That was a little bit fun. Um, Yeah, that was nice. It's
2: it's a it's nice to see them thinking through the potential applications of weapons technology, and this is a great one. We don't want to kill all these kids, so let's just Mm -hmm. beam them into a locked transporter room. And since they're biological Borg rather than technological Borg, they don't have ports that they can just plug in and try to hack with.
0: They've got to push buttons. Right, right. Um, So the one of the things Deanna says when they when the D goes to find the Borg cube in, in, inside Jupiter, Deanna says, Deanna's sense is, and, you know, Deanna has come a long way since season one, let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she says, it's like quiet suffering, which is an interesting phrase to use. That's, uh, that's what she, the sense she's getting from the Borg cube. And here's where we hit
2: inconsistency with how Star Trek handles the Borg, because you don't get the sense after Seven of Nine was deassimilated assimilated that she was suffering. Mm. She was adamantly in favor of being a Borg. And mm. Picard, and we do have him, we do get a sense he was suffering in best of both worlds. We see a tear coming down his face. Um, but then we also have, you know, discussions of the Borg basically being high, that they mm-hmm. have this elation. And that's what Jack needs. He doesn't need to be suffering in there. He would voluntarily disconnect if he was. Um, so so he's he's high on this.
0: Oh, this is so awesome. I feel so good. Is it the is it Jack? She's suffering or the queen. I thought it would be the queen that she's sensing.
2: Well, it could be the Queen. Um, yeah. It's unclear to me how many other Borg are still alive on that ship. Mm, it's obviously right. not many um, because there are a bunch of dead ones there that the Queen has been cannibalizing. And boy, does the Queen look creepy in this.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah.
2: She, she's not sexy Alice Krieg from, from First Contact. She's <laughs> no, like no. <laughs> severely deformed um, with other parts of other Borg bodies grafted onto her and stuff. Um But, you know, she's certainly in control. I guess maybe she's suffering. But but then data picks up on Deanna's line and says they cause so much suffering for so many. I hate them. Yeah. And that would imply it's more. Right. Right. So are they high or are they suffering? Which is it?
1: Well, and the Queen talks about how you know Picard left her abandoned on the edge of space, you know, uh, edge of the universe, and all that kind of stuff. And
2: yeah, so, actually, there's this is a f- minor one-word flaw in the writing. What she technically says is, "You did this." And to me, when right. I first watched it, I said, "Picard did this." When did Picard do that? He didn't do that in Next Generation. He didn't do that in the movies. Um, are they referring to an off-screen event? So I looked it up, and I got confirmation from Terry Metalis in an interview. What she's actually referring to is the end of Voyager, where alternate future Janeway poisons the entire board collective Uh, with a neurolytic toxin. So the "you" is a collective "you." Mm. You, the Federation, did this, not you, the individual
1: John Luke Picard. I forgot about that.
0: Okay, yeah, that's somehow this
1: this particular queen survived that. But she was the last one left. And Mm -hmm. so that would explain the suffering because if you because she talks about how it's all it is, is the unrelenting eye. Yes. Which for a Borg would be suffering, you know, punished suffering. Also
2: for um, it would explain why Hugh was on that cube that failed that we met in Mm -hmm. season one. Mm -hmm. It's because of the neurolytic toxin that Janeway released.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the Borg
2: invite the D oh, inside. That's that's probably why she's an admiral. Bring a ship back from a long distance journey. No big deal. Destroy the Borg collective. We've got admiral material.
0: We <laughs> have a job for you. Uh, you did what Picard could have done and didn't. Yes, that's yep. why he's a retired admiral. So the the Borg invite the D inside, um, which is overconfidence by the Queen once again, right? I mean, this is clearly Mm -hmm. a bad move. Um,
2: I I think that the invitation is read differently by Picard. I think Picard thinks it's Jack that's inviting them in, Mm -hmm. but it's really the Queen.
0: And Picard and Crusher won't give up on Jack. Like they just they're not going to just destroy the cube and save the galaxy. They they will not give up on him and the others yeah. go along. Um, yeah. And so Riker, Picard, and Worf are going to beam down into the cube near where Jack is. Their senses won't detect, et cetera, et cetera. That's what, the same sort of thing constraint. Uh, so they'll be somewhere near where Jack is. And then they're also going to be searching out this beacon that is the signal booster that Jack is is, right. is the signal, not the booster itself. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's one thing I, I said is I kind of figured it where he was like a, a signal amplifier. No, he's the actual signal. He's the yeah. one who's giving the commands to the Borg yeah. the newly assimilated Borg fleet right instead of the the booster that was used instead, the booster was this giant big glowing orb thingy in the middle mm-hmm. of the ship mm-hmm.
2: yeah the even though they're obsessed parents who are not going to give up, I mean they're kind of pursuing two missions. One of them is we've got to take down that signal. the other is we've got to get Jack. And really, of the three who beam over, no, and of everybody else, nobody is expecting them to survive. Yeah, Um, Riker has this long moment look at Deanna as he's about to leave. And they just kind of look at each other stoically, and then as soon as he leaves, Deanna drops her facade, and she looks crushed mm-hmm. because she doesn't believe he's coming back, and she's just emotionally sensed from him that he doesn't believe he's coming back. Right? Wharf later humorously says, I, "I, I, something like, um, you know, I, 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 I was afraid today that there was an actual chance we were going to survive." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 Picard is willing to die. I mean when Jack at first won't refuse refuses to leave the collective park, Picard says, "Well, I'll just stay here with you till the end." Yep. So he's expecting the Enterprise to blow up the 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 transmitter beacon. Yep. And he's going to die here with his son. And so everybody's expecting to die on this.
0: In fact, Picard, as he, before he leaves the bridge, says, it's been an honor serving with you all. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty mm-hmm. final statement. Metallus says he wanted to kind of spin out the possibilities for fans. Like, mm-hmm. he, he knew it wasn't going to kill anyone. Everyone lives. Uh, but he wanted there to be yeah. enough drama who, who, for who us. Who do we yeah. think this
2: is? Firefly? This isn't <laughs> the serenity, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I'm a leaf on the wind. Uh, too mm-hmm. soon. So um, <laughs> the... Uh, the, they they get they get there and the cube is decrepit. It's in a bad state. The you have the skeletonized Borg, which was kind of really mm-hmm. more creepy than usual, <laughs> and, and yep. more
2: more creepy than usual visually. But also, it's creepy
0: conceptually because we
2: know one of the things that Borg always do is disintegrate the remains of a fallen Borg. And nope, they're just letting these they're letting these skeletons with
1: their technological appurtenances rot in their alcoves. Mm. And then and then she's basically cannibalizing them. She's eating them more or less. You know right. they're, they're being yeah. yeah, they're being torn apart and then she's using that to survive.
0: Right. So the Picard, Riker, and Worf they decide to split up. Picard, you know, knows where Jack is. So he says he yes to stop being a captain and become a father. Like that's his thing. And again you have this moment where they part and think it's final. Um, Worf oh. has a great line where we'll he says, g- Yeah,
2: go ahead with Worf's line first.
0: There are two turns of phrase that Klingon never admits to knowing defeat and farewell. Worf has great lines throughout. Worf has yeah. the best lines in this. Episode.
2: Yeah. The, um, there's also a line that I, I thought was kind of clunky that Picard has where he's talking to, once he's beamed over, he's talking to Beverly over the communicator and he tells her, by shielding Jack from danger, you did everything right. And, um, yeah, I understand you're giving her that line to, to redeem Beverly, but you made a very compelling case earlier in the series that she did not do everything right. (laughs) Right, right. And she should have let you know about the son that is half yours.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's clear he's trying to make her feel better in a very bad situation. Uh yeah. yeah. So um so back on the Titan 7 gives this speech to what's left of the Titan's crew including the uh what was it? The cook. The cook. He was <laughs> <a> cook. <laughs> I used to work. I was working at my family's deli counter before I came back. um yeah. <laughs> She says we are left. What's left of Starfleet here and now? And she's basically asking them to give their lives to save Earth because so. Anyway, everybody mm-hmm. is on the hook here.
2: Yeah, and beyond Earth because we've been told at least that if Earth falls, the rest of the, it's only a matter of time until the rest of the Federation does. Mm-hmm. So you're all fighting for all your families. Yes, um, I do like the way she addresses the cook because he's he he's like I didn't even finish my flight training, and she says you're a pilot, you've got this. Get to your mm-hmm. station.
0: Mm. Yep. You know, I just and finished... I like
2: that supportive. You've yeah. got this.
0: Right. I just finished reading this history of the, uh, the, the World War II in North Africa, and there were times mm-hmm. when the only troops who were available to hold the blind were clerks and cooks and drivers mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and medics. And here's the rifle, get up on the line. And, you know, that's that's real. That's that's mm-hmm. reality. So it was that was really good. A similar thing was pointed out during
2: Babylon 5 when it was on the air, because Mm -hmm. um, during the shadow war, Mr. Garibaldi is outside the station in his star fury and he vanishes. And then he comes back and is immediately put back into service. And he's it's eventually revealed he was abducted by the shadows and they've Mm -hmm. done things to him. And some fans said, why would you put him right back on the line? after he vanished like that. Aren't you suspicious? And J. Michael Straczynski's response was during World War II, they would sometimes have pilots who vanished in mysterious circumstances, came back, they put them right back on the line. They were so desperate. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Tankers who were liberated from being PWs and put back into tanks. And yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, you did what you had to do. Um, Now, the Queen says Jack wasn't the plan for the Borg, but he was an opportunity when the Queen discovered him. Um. See, she apparently had a different plan in mind. I, I don't know. Maybe that was to...
1: why they stole Picard's body or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that they were trying to trying to get that technology, that bio, biologic technology, to put in other people. But then all of a sudden, Jack starts showing his his connection to right. her. It's like, oh, this worked out better than we planned. Because I don't think they planned on Picard having. Kids, mm. yeah, to pass yeah. on the transmitter. It's ambiguous because they obviously knew about Jack before the
2: series started because they've already been hunting him for months at that point.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the the big you know, hole, which is, is why do they need Jack if they've got Picard's body? But but it turns out perhaps that the having it in a living body as opposed to a dead body is a better thing because then we can use him as yeah. the signal.
2: Yeah. I, I think they have a techno i think i think this is a potential weakness in the writing they wanted picard's body and they wanted it so much that they stole the portal gun as a distraction but then they also totally want jack and it looks like all they really need at the end is jack yeah so why who cares right. about picard's body and why did they need it so bad they stole the portal gun as a distraction um it it I, I think they have in the episode a technobabble explanation for why they needed them both. It's either it it it's either in this episode or one of the recent ones. There is some technobabble that goes by, but the problem is it's a technobabble resolution. Yeah, right. It 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 doesn't. It goes by so fast, and it is not obvious unless you're paying super close attention. It
1: feels cobbled together. So are you thinking of the uh, code put into the transporters that they got that from the the biological parts of Picard that they cut out? Except yeah. they had that. They've been doing that for months and they only just got his body.
0: So. Or did they? I don't know. I don't know. When yeah, they, they really never
1: said know. how long how long it was. Go. The uh, actual. The body was stealing taken. of the body in the portal gun was. Yeah. So it, I assume it was right before episode one because Rafi
2: Musker is trying to track it down right Well. yeah yeah that's not clear that's for sure yeah so i think that's yeah. a weakness in the writing it is not all as obvious as it should be why these things were being done
0: yeah so uh, the queen says the future of the borg is not assimilation but evolution you know i mean it's a turn of phrase it's kind of yeah, changing the board a
2: little it's like okay but yeah but evolutionarily speaking, what the Borg are doing is just horizontal gene transfer. And that's right. part of
0: evolution. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and assimilation. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another. How do you think we got our mitochondria? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Worf's got another great line. So he, we, we, he gets shot and then Riker's got the uh, the batleth, and he's trying to lift it so heavy. And he discovers it has a hidden phaser in it. And he says, why didn't you use it? And Worf's response is, swords are fun. Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I also like how he's not using a batleth yeah. in this. Yeah, they, it is they, different. Because yeah. he was, he in Next Gen, he was using batleths all the time, and he had like a little small dagger or something, Klingon dagger mm-hmm. that he used sometimes, but the batleth was the dominant instrument. And I uh, subsequently, There have been numerous, I mean, I've watched videos of medieval sword experts just Mm -hmm. ripping Batless apart conceptually, showing Mm -hmm. all of the problems with them. So I think they, for this, they deliberately de-emphasized the big half-moon batleth and used a more normal sword, which since Riker has picked up Batless before, yeah, but he's never picked up this before, didn't realize how heavy it was. That's true.
0: (laughs) So uh the uh, the D is under attack by and has to operate the um, the controls manually, the weapons controls. She's in charge, and does so with great skill and says a lot has happened over the past twenty years. Dr. Trush. <laughs> yeah, she
1: basically uses the torpedoes as bombs and just bombs it and Yes. You know it was pretty pretty impressive. And yeah, she and everybody is just a, kinda looks at her, you know, it's like, Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, cause she's
2: doing all this manually and she is now a master mm-hmm. weapons
0: officer. That's right.
2: And incidentally, one thing about the Borg Queen that as part of her plan that I wanted to bring out, and I think this is also a weakness in the writing, um, is exactly what her plan is, because they have been assimilating people up to now. Now they've assimilated all these young people, and she says their future is evolution rather than assimilation, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But then apparently part of the plan is, okay. we've assimilated these young people. We're going to kill everybody else. She's just going to burn everything else to the ground. And that eventually emerges. But it's not it's not clear to me why you'd want to do that if you're used to assimilating people. Just keep us. She's already she's obviously not opposed to assimilating them. Now she's just done it a bunch through biology. So why wouldn't you, instead of burning everything else to the ground, just assimilate everybody else?
0: Yeah, I wonder if she just irrationally wants to just destroy everything that she doesn't need immediately or something. Um, right. If she's lost that rationality. Well, she yeah. could,
2: but that's weak writing unless you establish that she has become irrational.
0: Yeah. Because so, it's
2: incon- it's out of character for yeah. a Borg queen. The previous, based on the character that has previously been established, if she's going to break with previous policy, we need a justification for why has her worldview altered on such fundamental matters.
0: Okay. Uh, we get told the odds for them being able to successfully uh, never get tell to, me the odds get to the beacon. <laughs> yeah. right? And Data says, We're going to do it anyway because my gut tells me I can do it because emotions yep. let you have a gut. And uh, so he's going to have his, as you said, his uh, uh, not Han Solo because Han wasn't in the Mulan Return talking. of the Jedi moment. Yeah, his return of the Jedi yep. moment. Um, And I like once we, once we get started
2: on this, he's, he's flying through and they're dodging stuff. Deanna says, "Why do I feel
1: enjoyment?"
0: Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's
1: <Quiet>. really excited. <laughs> I, I love the I love the interaction before that, where he's getting ready to go. It's like,
0: here goes nothing. What do you mean nothing? Let's go. It <laughs> <laughs> was like last episode. We're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one from last time. Um, so Picard, as we hear, you know, his the only way he can get through to Jack is he can't unplug him. It'll kill him. So he decides he has to plug himself back in, and this is a big moment. Like we mentioned, Jimmy, that that plugging himself into the collective is the last thing Picard wants to do, and it shows how much he's become attached to his son, how much mm-hmm. he wants to save him, is how much he's willing to sacrifice yep. to, to to get him out of there. Uh, I think that's a that is a strong emotional beat in this story, which I I I, I liked. Um, and it's interesting
2: how quickly. If you're a person of principle, and this doesn't apply to people who are not people of principle, but if you're a a person of principle, discovering a family member you didn't know about previously can instantly have major consequences in terms of, okay, this person is part of our family now. We love this person, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like anybody else, even though we've never seen them before. And Mm -hmm. it can radically... At least has the potential to radically uh, reprioritize. You know how you uh, radically restructure priorities um, in ways that you weren't expecting. And I know this personally because it turned out I had a long lost uncle that none of the kids in my family knew about. Mm. And wow. when I discovered that, it's like, okay, this changes a bunch of
1: stuff.
0: Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean it's sort of like when you become a father for the first time anyway yeah, like yeah. you, this little child that was sort of abstract in your mm-hmm. your wife's womb uh suddenly there and suddenly everything is reprioritized I, I mean mm-hmm. I I've, I've gone through that <laughs> five times and it's like wow like it's just this person is now th- as important to me as anything in the world and uh it, it is a fascinating moment and it's interesting to see the portrayal of that on on the in in a way in this mm-hmm. So Ah, uh, once he gets into the collective, Jack is euphoric. You know, we talked about the his, the euphoria that you get from that, and it's very subdued euphoria, though. It's like, yeah. man, this is so trippy.
1: <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: he, was, he was he was taking a trip. Um, and Picard talks to him about how he joined Starfleet to find a family, but there was something wrong because Jack was the part of Picard he never knew was missing. Um, and it's interesting because so it it's sort of this admission in contrast to what picard said in ten forward in that flashback earlier f- real family is the mm-hmm. is picard's true vocation that he has realized having you know blood relation or or that sort of marital relationship family relationship is what he has been missing all along and he's finally discovered at his advanced age that this is was his vocation after all
1: well, it's interesting, too, that the he says, you know, that he just he wanted to just go rot away, basically, on his vineyard, mm-hmm. which kind of explains why Picard in season one and two was so mopey and and mm-hmm. you know, depressed. And now he's not because now he found out he has a real family, a biological family that is his. Yeah. And who's going to tell laris Yeah. Well, I got stuff to say yeah, about She's laris not later. even brought up at <laughs> all. Yeah.
0: The, I, I was I was convinced that we would see, you know, Picard walking into whatever that restaurant or bar was that they mentioned in episode one, but Laris gets zero mention after that first episode. Um, yep. So interesting. And there. there's even,
1: a, even a picture later on in, in Jack's quarters on the new enterprise G with uh, Beverly and Picard in suit, suit and dress. And
0: yeah, yeah. It's interesting. the 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 retcon of seasons one and two complete
2: (laughs) yeah and and this is again i mean it's a writing choice but it can it's a weakness because laris was set up in last season as she is picard is finally committing to a woman Mm -hmm. and she's his future and it's like Nope, and, um, Not anymore. Um, we've just undone that. We've just done a Star Trek three on you and undone all the stuff that we did last season. No yeah. Queen Agnes, no Laris, no none of that.
0: Yeah, I mean Rafi is really the last thing remaining from the first two seasons. Frankly, yeah. I yep. mean seven kind of, but seven also comes from Voyagers. But you, you know what I mean. It's like we've we've yeah.
1: Rafi is the only new character that we got from Picard itself.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Uh, but in the end, with with Picard inside the collective, it's a father's love and self sacrifice that's what pulls Jack out. So uh, I I like that as a as a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's see, nice it, to see
2: that. father love rather than mother love save the day for once.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. I know Star Wars has his fathers and sons, and that's constant in in Star Wars. It's nice well, to see it here. It Star to Trek. Be. Uh, you probably haven't seen the movie, latest season of The Mandalorian. So <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't. Where it is very big. Um, yep. So, so um, Riker has that last telepathic message to Troy Imzadi, which it's funny. I should have taught you some more better words. Uh, but you know, he's giving her that last connection to her. He thinks as everything blows up, and that's what well, saves them.
2: So, there's something we should talk about before that, which is they fly to the center of the cube, mm-hmm. and as soon as they have line of sight on the the signal generator, which is a swirly mobile at the center of the cube Mm -hmm. okay number one why couldn't you sense where it's putting out so much power that starfleet can't block the signal they've said we can't block it but it's obviously a kind of signal that you do understand because you can sense it they were listening to what to the commands jack was giving so you can detect this signal it's not something exotic um, and it's so powerful that Starfleet can't block it. So why can't you tell where it's coming from? You know, if it's mm-hmm. if it's throwing out that much detectable energy that, and you know, you can obviously listen to it, so it's detectable. If it's throwing out that much detectable energy. You should know exactly where it is. You don't really need Riker and Worf to go looking for it. Um, but once they fly through the cube and get up to it, they see it, and Geordi says, "Data, do you see what I see?" And he realizes it's linked to the ship in a way that um, if they destroy the beacon, the entire ship will blow up in a chain reaction that's going to take maybe a minute. Um, And so Geordi then turns to and he's hesitating. Geordi is like, maybe we shouldn't blow this up because we're going to kill our friends. And And Beverly and Deanna point out it's either we blow this up or everyone in the galaxy dies. And so you have Beverly and Deanna, the two feminine members of the crew of the main Mm -hmm. cast, um, advocating the ruthless, bloodthirsty solution. We kill everybody, all of our friends, in -hmm. order to save the entire galaxy. And Jordy turns to both of them and is like, are you sure about this? And Deanna indicates she's sure. And then he turns to Beverly. Are you okay with this? And she nods her head. And then later. And so that's when they're formulating the plan later when they execute the plan. Beverly pushes the button, expecting to kill
1: everyone, including Picard and her son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was to
1: make that sacrifice. And then, of course, they were willing to make that sacrifice. We talked talked about that a little bit earlier, where both Picard and. And Riker had basically their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. They knew they they thought they weren't going to be able to come back, right? Um, but of course they they are able to, you know. But uh, it's yeah. I mean, it, she, did both uh, Troy and Crusher were willing to make those sacrifices,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to lose the, these people that they love because they knew that that those people. That's what they would want. They would they would rather give their lives. You know the the good of the many outweigh the needs of the, or the desire needs of the few. You know?
0: Yeah, the few of the one. Yeah, that's very clear. And and so they do take that. They take the shot. And they are able to, which a very cool image of the D swooping down right above the open ceiling to the Unimatrix uh, room, and yep. beaming out the uh, our our friends and leaving the Bo- the Borg Queen behind to rage as she just destroyed the the usual thing, um, and so and then everybody comes out of it. Uh, all of the Starfleet crew come out of their and- assimilation. All
2: that's the first 40 minutes. Now we get 30 minutes of epilogue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we get that Admiral Crusher, head of Starfleet Medical, comes up with a solution that purges the Borg DNA and identifies the changelings using the transporter. So we get that. Mm -hmm. Um, We do get Tuvok is alive and pardons the Enterprise crew. By the way, Terry Metallus said he had planned um, other scenes that just didn't make it to To show that Roe is alive, that oh, when the shuttle mm-hmm. was going to be destroyed, there was a moment where the um, sh- they lose comms with her, mm-hmm. and then there's a the static or something, and then the, sh- the shuttle destroyed, and they were gonna have that she was beamed onto whatever that ship was i forget and um and saved, and that all the people would be in their various um you know have been held in 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 all the people with the changings that were mm-hmm. placed. So and that and that Shelby would survive the two phaser blasts Mm -hmm. somehow. So it's kind of interesting. He wanted everybody to live. So (laughs) so is is Vitalis taking from the uh, Stephen Stephen Moffat school? Writing school? (laughs) I know, I know. Um, He wanted a very positive ending. And and frankly, I I can see that. Like if if this is the last Mm. hurrah for the TNG, he wanted it to go out on a high note, on a positive note. So,
1: and he has he has hinted that if there is a continuing
0: series, that Shaw could return somehow, some way that doesn't undo his uh his sacrifice yet, um is satisfying and plausible. Yeah. So who knows what that means? Um, but speaking of Shaw, you know Seven's about to resign. You know, given her She's, rebellion, she,
2: she does resign, yes. and then Tuva declines the resignation. It's like yes. Have you heard about the 13th Amendment to the American Constitution?
0: (laughs) Well, Starfleet uh, Federation apparently doesn't have the 13th Amendment, uh, but Shaw's review that he issued just before everything happened with Picard and Riker coming aboard recommended that Seven be promoted to captain, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. a nice Mm -hmm. moment. It shows that, you know what, Shaw wasn't as negative on her as she believed, and we all believed.
2: Yeah, although it, 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 so it's interesting that Starfleet chooses to just ignore all of the things she did because she did flagrantly disobey orders and so forth. Um And we just had a major crisis, possibly as, as a result of that. Um, it's it's ambiguous to me. It does. It doesn't. The mere fact he recommended her for captaincy before she majorly betrayed him mm. doesn't Cancel out the fact she majorly betrayed him, and it it in fact knowing that he'd put in this recommendation for her puts a whole new light on his. You just loyaltyed yourself out of a career, comments earlier in the series. Yeah, Ooh. it's like he's, he's he rethought that. <laughs> yeah, recommendation. Yeah. Although he then rethinks it again by the end and says the ship is yours.
0: Yeah. Yep. He, and yeah, he um. My guess is saving the galaxy covers many sins <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that <one. Yeah.
1: laughs> well that's 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 tradition in star trek though
0: yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah
1: you stole a starship and went to a forbidden planet and but you know you saved the earth by getting a bunch of whales you know, for, for, uh, in a commandeered klingon ship yeah. so
2: you're fine yeah but then and, and but then there's <laughs> shaw's perspective on it's your cowboy's ways that bring on these crises that you then <laughs> save us from
0: yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh You mentioned that Worf uh, leaked Rafi's service record. So her family Mm -hmm. would know that she's a hero finally, uh, which is a nice moment. Um, Troy, we have this very funny scene of Troy counseling Data uh, on his journey to to being and understanding being human. Uh, Apparently, he's quite verbose in his sessions and she's trying to end the session and he keeps going on and on. Uh, Her her
2: first line after after we realize she's talking to Data, because at first, we don't see who she's talking to. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. hear her voice. And I'm thinking, okay, is she talking to Jack because he was assimilated? Is she talking to Picard because he was reassimilated? No, it's Data. <laughs> yeah. And she says, oh, Mr. Data, we've exceeded our time by an hour.
0: Again, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say same time tomorrow. I think is what he says. (laughs) (laughs) and she's meanwhile on her pad looking at vacation options, uh, Kafar Prime, or we find out the options are going to be Kafar Prime or Orlando.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I like how Jordy says, "Ooh, tough choice." It's like (laughs) (laughs) Orlando's really up there.
0: I wonder if that's like a Disney joke. Like uh, I don't know, maybe.
2: (laughs) Mm. I just um, I just like the idea of the idea of places on Earth can compete with yes. exotic space locations. Oh yeah.
0: Yes. And apparently they've outgrown RISA. Yeah. <laughs> I, I
2: I always like, like, you know, I I just got back from a trip where, where I visited northern Arizona and I visited the Painted Desert and Monument Valley and the Petrified Forest. And those places are just amazing. The mm-hmm. Petrified, the, the Painted Desert in particular is it's like being on multiple other planets. You go around a corner and it's all suddenly so different geologically. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Um, and I like the idea of places on Earth can be exotic, too. I f- since I was a teenager, I thought if I write a certain kind of science fiction at some point, I'm going to show how exotic Earth animals are from an alien oh, perspective, yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> sure. talking about the, the the Terran legless lizard, meaning <laughs> a snake yeah. or the giant yeah. Terran nose
0: beast, meaning an elephant. You know? Yeah that's very good yes (laughs) (laughs) apparently cattle are very interesting to aliens but that's a whole Mm -hmm. nother thing (laughs) so uh, uh, yes yeah especially (laughs) their tongues and eyes (laughs) anyway that's a whole nother show that's mysterious world um I do like when Riker comes in at the end of the session and Data leaves, he turns to De- Deanna and goes, is he still bat bleep crazy? Um mm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, hey, and she scolds him. Um, so, and then we get what a year later and uh, we have the, the last shot aboard the Enterprise D, which Terry Mattel says that wasn't a given that they were going to rebuild that set, but he was really insistent on it. They mm-hmm. saved budget to build it. And in fact, they were putting, still putting the carpet down as they were getting ready to shoot the first scenes, Mm -hmm. which may explain Picard's line about, I like the carpet. (laughs) That might have been an ad lib. (laughs) Also,
2: Terry Metallus said it took months of preparation to rebuild that set because the original no longer existed. And they filmed on it for two days. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. wow, really? All of that stuff in the last two episodes, you did all that Enterprise footage in two days? You were really cooking.
0: They were, yeah. Yeah. I hope they save these things like now. They
2: did. He said, yeah. I saw him say that that set has now been saved.
0: Awesome. That's good. Good. Uh, so Jack has been given a field commission. That, and Starfleet tends to hand out these commissions like candy, like Seven and Jack. Yeah. And they...
2: They've, <laughs> okay, so here's some weakness in the writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, number one, he just tried to end the Federation. Now, right. he was assimilated, but... What has he done that you would fast track him through Starfleet Academy and make him an ensign in a year? Why are they grateful to him? He was the willing tool of the big bad. He foolishly walked into the big bad's hands. Mm. He then played a central role. Like, now, Picard was Locutus, but Picard had already earned a captaincy before he was assimilated. Jack was a criminal.
1: One word one word and it's in the line. it's in the it's in the script <laughs>
0: nepotism, nepotism. <laughs> yeah well apparently crusher and picard <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: apparently so but then then you uh, post him to this ship and he doesn't even know what his assignment is going to be that was weird and and you cr- yeah. you seven creates a new position of special counselor to the captain what why not
0: aid to the captain that's a that's a yeah. real role a- in the navy. Adjutant, yeah, adjutant or, right you know. mm-hmm. yeah that was kind of weird especially counselor cuz counselor is something, well i i know what it means it's like uh, it, not po- counselor uh, in the political sense conciliare yes right <laughs> um so they rechristened the Titan to become the G. This is some controversial in some areas. Mm-hmm. I get why you want the big ship to be Enterprise, this flagship. I feel like Titan earned her place in the yeah, pantheon of Starfleet ships. It's kind of an indifferent to me. I've I I yeah. i,
2: I I've seen other people suggest, hey, your fleet was just decimated, you know. Maybe you want to keep the actual Enterprise D back in service.
0: Yeah. Really. Afraid, um, yeah. And,
2: yeah. and and well, it's and the Titan earned its place, so
1: it can just be the Titan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's. I mean, it is, it is a year later, and they've already re, re- uh, they've already fixed up Starbase. Yeah. And- they're this, 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 the So they've got that all taken care of. Re- so Industrial you the replicators are into. amazing. Yes, yeah they are. You know, in a year, they've 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 basically fixed everything. Be, yeah, in mm. in essence. Yeah. And so it makes sense. And yeah, I, I agree that the the Titan should see the Titan, which means we'll see a probably see a Titan B at some point.
0: Sure, uh, and no idea what happened to the F. That was a very short career. had a price Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking it got destroyed. Yeah, you know, but. So But again, they don't say it. Right. Nobody, no uh was it nobody, no death. So Captain Seven, First Officer Rafi, Ensign Crusher aboard the uh the 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 new Enterprise. Special
2: Counselor Ensign Crusher.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and oh, another Ensign Crusher. I never even made that connection. Till now. <laughs> yes.
0: He's not an acting um, Ensign, though. He's a real one. He can hold it over yeah. his brother. Well, no, no, now, no. He,
1: eventually, Wesley got
2: got realified. as that's true. Yeah,
1: he's, he got commissioned as well.
0: That's true. So th- this
1: this clearly is the pilot for Star Trek Legacy. I mean, this scene right here is the three of them on the bridge is a pilot for Star Trek Legacy. Terry has said he wants to do it. Yep. He's hinted at it. The actual fast to do
0: it. Yep.
1: Yeah, the uh he even threw it in there is when Seven is about is trying to figure out her command to go to war, which we don't hear.
2: I know. I like uh, I like that she we see her Queried on, just so, what's your warp command going to be? Yeah, and she's thinking about it, and then as she's about to say it, we cut and just see the ship warping. And I like right. that we yep. don't actually
1: see the line, the warp sounds, and they go. But they even have Jack say the opening line. You're writing the opening line to your legacy. Yeah. Mm.
0: So clearly, so, yeah, all this talk about Star Trek Legacy, Captain Seven, all this stuff was from people who had seen this final episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and. Terry Metallus, he's not just a showrunner. He's a marketer. I mean, he's on podcasts, he's on Twitter, he's on interviews. He's marketing the heck out of this. And from very early on, he has been marketing a follow-on series. So you know that even before this started airing, there had to be conversations. Again, and, and it might just be at that level of, if this is successful, are you willing to continue with something? Yeah. Type of levels. You know, but there, there's so you know, there had to be conversations behind the scenes even before C- episode one aired.
0: This is the first Star Trek series in the rebooted Paramount Plus era that has been in the top 10 of the Nielsen streaming ratings. This is mm, wow. more successful than any other new Star Trek. I can't yeah. imagine that they're not going to take advantage of the goodwill that they have built with this. Well, I mean, they built the it, Strange New Worlds off of less. Yeah. Yeah. Much less. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so, I mean. Yeah. So we get but to, yeah, this. Go ahead. But I, I like, by the way, I like Rafi's comment about a thief, a pirate and a spy. Yes. In charge of the, the new Enterprise. <laughs>
0: so uh, apparently Seven's <laughs> the the pirate. So. Which
2: doesn't really make sense. She was a Fenris ranger, but. Yeah. That's not I, a pirate. That's more
0: like a ranger. Colorful they, uh, 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 name there. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So uh, and then, of course, the final scene is a little bit of poet poetic uh um what is the word i'm trying to think uh echo, uh, echo of the resume. end of yeah of the final episode of uh, the next generation they're playing playing cards in 10 forward the mm-hmm. the bar now yep. the lounge um and Metallus said he just had them play cards for 45 minutes and recorded the actors interacting mm-hmm. and it did feel mm-hmm. very natural like that uh we do get data's last toast which is that limerick he always starts with <laughs> he's done it
2: 3 times in the entire series
0: yeah but yeah but yeah. every time he's 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 done this several times already so it's kind of funny like data uh i, I always wanted to finish that he says <laughs> which is good uh, <laughs> so picard gives a toast a quote from shakespeare's julius caesar again appropriate where there's a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune Omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and, and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or loses our ventures. So, a nice Shakespearean. Star wrap Trek up. writers love
2: shoving Shakespeare into stuff where yes. it's not appropriate.
0: <laughs> well, I thought it was a nice uh, wrap up to to the to TNG, really, because mm-hmm. that's what this is. Uh, it's not much of a toast, though.
2: I mean, no. it's it's kind of a summary of how we got here, but that's not the same thing.
1: No, but it's it felt appropriate for the moment. You, you, you could tell they've had plenty of toasts that night. So, <laughs> <I mean.
0: laughs> so then we get the uh, the credits begin. And I I just had a feeling that it was not run through the credits. Stay with it, Stay through it. I didn't know anything in advance. And then we get that mid credit scene of Jack in his quarters and who who shows up but Q who yep. is <laughs> I thought you were dead you would think think so linearly and um
2: yep. which is a good point um yep. you know time travelers so who
0: knows what point
2: in Q's life you're interacting with him at exactly
0: yeah. and basically tells Jack your trial is just beginning and having Q there is again another nice book sh- bookend of the first TNG was Q encounter at Farpoint, and now we end with Q, with a Picard, a member of the House yep. of Picard, you know, being put on trial. So I thought that was a, a, a bit of a nice echo. And
1: uh, so that means he he will return for legacy any series going forward. Any after legacy so could be Strange
0: no New Worlds even. Um, so final thoughts on all, all of this, <laughs> just all of it. Uh, <laughs> Father Corey.
1: I think we hit everything. I mean, it, it was just, it really was a good way to conclude. I really enjoyed it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you it was know very critiques enjoyable. or whatever aside. Yeah. It was, it really, and, and to look at the whole season, I mean, this is, I mean, it's just, this is what we want, what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that among this panel. This is what, yeah. what I wanted for something like a Star Trek Picard. We got to see Picard who was confident, who was a leader, who was gonna take charge, who was, he in was space. gonna get the,
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was in space. We had
1: ships. Yes. Um, you know, and and, and I and I, I said, you know, last episode that I was disappointed that the big bads ended up being the Borg, only because it, you know, it had been used and used and used and but I think again that was addressed so well in this to conclude that yes, it was the Borg, but this was the last of it. This was this was it. This was the, the remnant. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we can't have more remnants somewhere out there, but that's another story.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: But no, it's, it's. I think this 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 was a good conclusion to a really great season, Jimmy.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is definitely I enjoyed this. It's definitely the strongest of the three seasons of Picard. I didn't dislike. I mean, I know some people did. I did not dislike the first two seasons I would say that I think I, I dislike aspects of them, but I, I fundamentally thought they were OK. Mm-hmm. I think Picard has gotten stronger every season. I think season two was stronger than season one. And I think season three was much stronger than season two. Mm-hmm. So I I enjoyed the episode and the season.
0: Yeah. So for me, I there are lots of things I liked about seasons one and two. I liked Rios. I liked, um, you know, Vilaris. I... My big complaint in season two was just that they were stuck in the 21st century the whole time. It wasn't I didn't really enjoy that.
2: I, I and I understand that, although we've had time travel stories on Star Trek before where they yeah. go to Earth's past. So I was yeah. OK with that in principle. If you want to say they did it for a little too long or that's my point, maybe we yeah. should have spent some more time in the alternate fascist timeline or something. you Right. Know, right. That's an arti- that's a reasonable choice.
0: Yeah uh and so there were so there were definitely things i liked um but this season just had so much good in it and i really enjoyed that and uh, i think they treated the return of all these characters that we love so well um even bringing back data in a way that i thought was satisfying and Mm -hmm. didn't feel like a cheat um so I, i did like all of that um I do. I did miss the the wrap up with Laris. I thought that was. I always liked the character of Laris and I think it's unfortunate we lost her. And I think it's unfortunate. I know they were retconning things apparently, but I think it's unfortunate that they never dealt with the the, the Borg. And I think that was. Um. I don't know. I mean, um, a, a mistake maybe, but I just, it's uh, unsatisfying. Yeah. Um. It, if if you think about it, okay, we have these provisional
2: Borg Federation members that are guarding us from some danger at this transwarp conduit and then other nasty Borgs show up, what's the first thing you're going to do?
0: Yeah. Call um, all your <laughs> Borg allies. Well, yeah. in fact, clearly the, at the end of season two, their vision for season three was going to be whatever this thing was that was, they were guarding us against that mm-hmm. that totally got left. I mean that to me that was the natural
2: thing to think. It was yeah. natural. I don't know whether yeah. it's what they were thinking, but it is the natural yeah. thing they're pointing to.
0: Right. You've got you've right. created this big bad threat and never deal with it. And that's kind of an interesting thing they've chosen to do. I do hope they go with Star Trek Legacy or something along the lines where we are in present day. I love new Strange New mm-hmm. Worlds. I would like to see more of this current world that we're in with some of the characters yep. that we became familiar with in the later parts of uh the you know TNG DS9 era so
1: yeah one well, one thing one thing we we forgot to mention last time dom is Elnor died in the last episode when the Excelsior blew up he was on he the, was on the uh, Excelsior
0: oh right that just never got That never got got
1: mentioned. Yeah. Now, Terry Metellus, of course, he did do that. He really wasn't, you know, he tried to do in an interview that he wasn't. But come on. He was on that ship and that ship was blown up. So,
2: yeah, he could say because we didn't see Elnor on that ship this season. He could say, oh, he was on vacation.
0: Metalis also said in an interview that unless the character is laying on screen for six minutes with their eyes open and no breath coming out of them visibly, they're not dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like, yeah, that just made it clear that anybody can be brought like, back. Like
1: I said, the Stephen, Stephen Moffat school of yes, writing.
0: It's sci-fi. Everyone lives. So uh, if that's it, we can go on to our feedback because we got some great feedback. Yes. Uh, our first feedback comes from our last episode where we talked about Vox. Uh, James Clare on YouTube writes, it's interesting that you discuss how many Star Trek fans were disappointed by the return of the Borg as a series big bad. While I did see it coming, I wasn't disappointed at all. I wonder if it's because I'm a more casual Star Trek fan. When I was a kid in the 80s and 90s, I was a big fan of TNG and DS9. I've kept half an eye on the franchise, but I had mixed feelings toward New Trek I stopped watching Picard and Discovery pretty early in their runs. Haven't seen any Prodigy. While I really did enjoy Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, I haven't read any Trek novels, played any Trek video games, or participated in any conventions or online discussions. Basically, I have a lot of nostalgia for TNG and DS9, and I've only casually paid attention to Trek since, and had no idea the Borg even showed up in Season 2. I was lured back to Picard because I heard a lot of people say Season 3 felt like a continuation of TNG, and Seeing major villains from two of my favorite childhood shows team up, the Borg and the Changelings, was really great. I wonder if the showrunners are using this season to try to bring in more casual fans like me. Oh, yeah,
2: they're definitely doing that. They mm-hmm. wanted big ratings, and they it sounds like they got them. They got it.
0: Yes, I think they have really rebroadened to reach the mass audience that the Star Trek always had in the past and uh, that it seems to have lost in the new era. Uh, so i think that bodes well, well the fact it's on a streaming platform is not oh. helping matters no mm. no but that's the uh, that's where we live these days uh i guess so the best they can um so and then phantom 1539 on youtube writes fyi terry metallis has already said that Shaw would be brought back in a very special way if they get a spin-off someone on twitter asked about Worf's son alexander as well and Metallus said we would have to address him on Star Trek Legacy if it ever gets yep, made. I haven't
2: seen him say those things, but I certainly hope that's right. I would love to see Captain Shaw back. Yeah, I mm. I would, I would too. And I'd like to see Alexander get a better ending than the one they gave
0: him on Deep Space Nine. Definitely, mm. definitely. So, uh, and then we got some feedback already on Last Generation, the most recent episode. Uh, Grant Schertzings via email. That was, without a doubt, one of the most enjoyable, interesting, and entertaining seasons of Star Trek I have ever seen. But I still want to know how did the Queen manifest through Vatican's hand? And why did the Borg need to go through all that effort of stealing Picard's body from a secret research facility and staging the portal gun as an elaborate smokescreen just to harvest the genetic receivers that they put in Locutus?
2: Yeah, so um, we've already discussed the, the problems, which we sense too, with why is. Um, you know, what exactly did they want with Picard's body? In terms of the first thing uh, about the hand communicator, it kind of makes sense now that if you have an alliance between the Borg and they're now using biology rather than technology, to do things. And if they've been integrating Borg biology into other beings, like all the young Borg of mm. the next generation, you could see how they could integrate it into a changeling, at least in the form of a communicator. They're already mm. communicating with their own assimilated um younglings mm-hmm. uh so they could make a deal with the changelings to say to stay in communication we want to implant some stuff in you it will not control you but it will serve right. as a communicator
0: yeah i was it's I when you said all the young younglings say it came Starward. Well, what came to mind was the david bowie song all oh. the young dudes something how would you do oh, all the I young don't. borg someone should do a mashup of that <laughs> i don't know that
2: one <laughs> i know a lot of david
0: bowie but i don't yeah. know that. don't know that one i think it was bowie um no, isn't that matthewpool oh Hoople, maybe that's what was. for some reason i think i think of bowie wasn't bowie yeah no. <laughs> um all right chris s sent an email some quick thoughts Overall, I loved it. Picard entering the collective again was not something I saw coming. I thought his speech to Jack was heartfelt and based on a character with 35 years of history. In short, it was earned. Unlike the speeches in another Trek show, I won't name. (coughs) Discovery. The Borg cube hiding in the eye of Jupiter seemed like a nod to Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. I love that Riker, when he thought he was going to die, said he and their son would be waiting. So Riker believes in the afterlife Mm -hmm. now. Take that, Gene Roddenberry. Is that the end of the of this nope. piece of feedback? Okay. Uh, go a ahead. couple more. The shot of the Titan in the Enterprise D mirrored the shot of the Enterprise A in the Excelsior at the end of Star Trek VI. Did we ever find out who was giving Vatic orders? Was it the Borg Queen? I'm not clear on that. We also never got a resolution on Queen Agnes and her Borg. That was just ignored. Not complaining, just interesting. I enjoyed the backdoor pilot feel of the now Enterprise G leaving with seven in command. Jack is so charismatic, he would make a great series lead. The Q scene post-credits was a bit much, though. Wow, so Terry Metallus has Undone Season 2 as well. Lastly, I still think God from Star Trek V was behind it all and will continue to menace any and all Star Trek heroes. So uh, you, you were going to reply, Jimmy. I was, but that was way
2: more than two additional thoughts. So now I've lost track of what I was going to reply to.
0: That was the uh, the um, the Riker when you thought he was going to die. Yeah, and there was something before that as well. The Battlestar Galactica reference.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what the Battlestar Galactica reference is referring to. The Galactica did in the pilot, in the pilot series of the reboot, go to a gas giant called Ragnar. But I, I'm not sure what, oh, it may be the eye of, of uh, the, the eye symbolism that they Dad. had with the supernova or something like that. Okay. Um, but in terms of Riker, I I, I agree. If Riker appears to, I mean, he may be being poetic, but he appears to have at least provisionally accepted the idea of an afterlife. And that's good. And I, I don't know how opposed to to that Gene Roddenberry would have been, though. Um there, Gene Roddenberry was certainly not a Christian, um, and he may have been an atheist, but there are atheists who believe in afterlives. And in an early TNG episode, it's either first or second season, uh, it's Lonely Among Us. Um, they meet a colossal space being called Nagilam that decides to kill people to understand death better because he's immortal. And during that, they have a very woodenly written scene where uh, Data comes to Picard in his quarters and says, tell me what you believe about the afterlife. And it's really Nagilam in, in disguise. Mm-hmm. But Picard says, well, some people think it's nothing and some people think it's a paradisical physical garden. And I think it transcends both of these. So he just, re- Picard just rejected nothing. Mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. afterlife so he believes in some kind of afterlife and this was early enough that gene roddenberry was still a big influence on the series so you may not have had a problem with Riker believing in an afterlife of some sort
0: mm. so uh and i think we addressed uh chris's other points about mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the borg queen giving the Vat- yep. Vatican orders and uh, the queen agnes and her borg um which would be a great band name and um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with Q showing up again, uh, but it is clearly undoing previous seasons. That's for sure. But that's such a linear thought. <laughs> I don't think it's
2: undoing them. I not when you got time travel involved, and Q yeah. is a time traveler. He repeatedly time travels, including way back in the next gen itself.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right. So and that's uh, our feedback. Um, so let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Timothy D, Thomas B, Andrea M, Eric A, and Cher W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you thought of The Last Generation and the series of Picard as a whole or this season or anything. Let us know by commenting at sqpn.com slash Trek, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can now watch The Secrets of Star Trek in a full motion video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media and leave a comment there. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing, Father Corey, and I will be discussing a, in a very special episode, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 as a whole. This was a patron episode we did a few months ago, I think, and we're now mm-hmm. going to release it to uh, our general audience to let you know some of the benefits that our patrons receive. And then we'll be back with talking about some other classic Trek stuff until Strange New Worlds comes back in June. So Mm. until next time, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Yeah, there just wasn't enough emotional discovery in this. (laughs) I I think we need to go back to discovery and talk more about it. Sure. Jimmy Akin, thank you as well. My pleasure. And live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, swords are fun.